1: She was reminded probably every moment of just about every day that she was a sinner. She didn't have to wear the letter on the outside of her clothes. It was a small enough community or city that everyone knew her, and we don't have her name, but she was a sinner. Ponder that for just a moment. Ponder that, the weight of that. On her life.
0: In chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke, we meet a lady who was known throughout the city for her sin. However, in the Bible, she is remembered for her extravagant worship of Jesus. Pastor David admonishes us to show mercy and grace to those around us. If we were all known and judged for our mistakes, we would not be welcomed at Jesus' presence. Fortunately, because of the cleansing power of Jesus' blood, we too can come and worship at Christ's feet as grateful sons and daughters. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, The Scarlet Letter.
1: be like if the entire community knew your sin. If everybody within the community of Casa Grande knew your particular sin. Now I, I know that some people they they've they've committed crimes and uh, they've got police reports and usually our local paper writes those things up. You can look just about every day and see the police reports and we always check to see if any of your names are on there. But that's that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. And some, and they they've they battled all of their lives, uh, all of their adult lives anyway, with with addictions, whether it be alcohol or, or drug addictions. And you can see that many times, just physically on the body. And people can kind of see that either physically or mentally how they deal with things. But that's that's not what I'm talking about either. What I'm talking about this morning is what would happen if everyone within our community knew about your greed knew about your jealousy or your hate, everyone knew about your lust or your prejudice, your selfish ambitions, your envy, your lewdness, those kinds of things. What if, like the, the woman in Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel, The Scarlet Letter, you had to wear a letter on the outside of your clothing that designated what your particular sin is? And everyone knew it. That guy over there? You know which one I'm talking about. He's got a big G. Because he lives with greed all of the time. That quiet woman? You know which one I'm talking about. She has this big H on. She lives with hatred and unforgiveness every day of her life. You know that stately gentleman, the one that looks so proper, so good? He's the one with the letter L. No, not for loser. (laughs) He has L. He looks so good, but he deals with lust almost every waking hour. You know that attractive woman. You know which what I'm talking about over here. She has a big E on. Because she's filled with envy. As much as she has, she still lives with envy. Let me ask you this. If, if you had to wear that on the outside, do you think that it would make a difference on how people treated you? Whoa. Just looking around at all the letters on everybody. Whoa. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it would make a difference on how you felt about yourself to know that everyone knew your sin? Everyone. You walk through the grocery store. Oh, wow. There he is. Oh, that's her. That's her. Today we're going to look at a couple of events in the life of Jesus where there's one individual that he, he seems to have it all together. He's well respected. He's a religious leader. He has it all together and yet he's far from right on the inside. Then there's another individual whose sin is well known throughout the entire community. And for all appearances... She's not worthy of Jesus' time or Jesus' attention at all. And yet, on the inside, we find out that she is a woman who's broken and spiritually hungry in her life. Look with me, if you would, in Luke's Gospel record. Luke chapter 7 is where we're at as we've been going through the book of Luke. And this morning we begin in verse 36. Luke chapter 7. Beginning in verse thirty-six, and then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She stood at the feet behind him at his feet behind him, weeping and. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, "This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is, who's touching him, for she is a sinner." Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, well, teacher, say it. Jesus said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. So Jesus said to him, you've rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman, but he said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered her house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, he said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. And those that sat in the table with him began to say to themselves, Well, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The event that's taking place, it could possibly be at the Pharisee's house in Capernaum. It might be one of the other cities or towns in northern Galilee. It was a situation that at this point in time, the, the hostilities that we read later on in the gospel, the hostilities of the Pharisees and the scribes against Jesus hadn't reached its peak yet. Uh, oh, they, they were still following him. They were listening to everything that he said. They were watching all of his acts. They were trying to figure out exactly who he was. They were watching the multitudes that followed him. But there wasn't quite yet that open hostility that would come pretty soon. So then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to dinner at his home. And so Jesus went to his house and he sat down to eat. So we have this Pharisee we find out a little bit later on in the conversation that his name is Simon. He ventures out to have Jesus' visiting rabbi over for dinner. It would be a normal thing to do for a Pharisee, a man of influence in the community, to have this visiting teacher to come over to his home. It was a Middle Eastern custom to to show honor to a popular rabbi uh, as he came into the town, as well as it was a great chance to be able to hear and to learn from this popular teacher. Well, undoubtedly, Simon had questions for this rabbi. Number one, who are you? Uh, but also, some had said that he was a great prophet, so Simon wanted to hear, wanted to learn more. Why, some have even said, this guy, this individual, this rabbi, this teacher, he might even be the Messiah. So Simon determined he'd learn more of the man. He invited him to his home. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, let's stop right there for a second. The woman in the town, there in the city, who was a sinner. She was a sinner. Would you repeat that with me? She was a sinner. One more time. They did it good. I didn't see you guys. She was a sinner. Now turn to the person next to you and tell them she was a sinner. She was a sinner. Because that's what it sounded like in town. Here she comes. She's the sinner. She's well known in town as a sinner. Everyone in town knew it. There was no getting away from it. And because you know that, Because everyone in the community knew that. She was reminded probably every moment of just about every day that she was a sinner. She didn't have to wear the letter on the outside of her clothes. It was a small enough community or city that everyone knew her, and we don't have her name, but she was a sinner. Ponder that for just a moment. Ponder that, the weight of that on her life. Ponder that in your life if everyone knew your sin. We don't know what sin she was guilty of, do we? But let's face it, here, here today we look at that and we figure that she's probably a, a prostitute, a whore. A woman of the streets. We we kind of figure that because, again, a little bit later, Simon says that, that Jesus ought to know what manner of woman this is that's, that's touching him. For she is a sinner. But we really don't know that. But we jump to conclusions, don't we? We jump to conclusions every day when we see people. We bring judgment right to the forefront. We see people, maybe how they're dressed, or what they're doing, what they're driving, uh, how much ink they have on their body, how much metal they have on their body. We bring judgment really quick, don't we? It's interesting to note that to the Jewish leaders, anyone who didn't keep all of the expected rules and the rituals of the Talmud was considered a sinner. So if you didn't keep all of these rules and regulations... (laughs) I'm a Pharisee, and if you're not keeping those rules, you're a sinner. And that's what their mindset, that's how they dealt. If you're not like me, you must be a sinner. Aren't you glad we don't work that way today? Ah, but we do, don't we? We do. Personally, I think Simon was really upset that a sinner would be so bold as to even come on his property. And yet, here she is, and when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought this alabaster, alabaster flask of this fragrant oil, and she stood at Jesus' feet behind him, just weeping the common normal way of eating at that point in time was a very low table and you would almost lay on the ground propped up by your usually your left arm you ate with your right and your feet kind of went out behind you there and that's where this woman was we don't know how many were invited to that dinner there were others but when we consider when we look at this we do know that this woman came in at that point in time. The custom of the day would be is whenever you would have someone in your house, particularly in these small communities, you invited someone over, it was okay, it was expected, it was anticipated that the community, if it was somebody popular or somebody important, they would come to your house too. They, they wouldn't come inside, they'd gather around the courtroom, they'd look in the windows, they'd hear through the doors, they wanted to hear what's going on. Whoa, we have so-and-so in our house, in, in our community today, and he's over at so-and-so's house, let's go over and hear what they have to say. So that would be a normal thing for people within the community to be pressed around the house, gathered in the courtyard, just to hear some of the conversation, so there'd be others there. Although they weren't invited to the meal, they were allowed to be able to hear and listen in on the conversation. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner came in to Simon's house and stood behind the Lord. And yeah, I believe that Simon's freaking out a little bit at this point in time. Number one, you, you you weren't invited to my house, particularly you. Now you come in and you're standing right behind my invited guest. How long had the woman stood there? We, we don't know. How much of the conversation between Jesus and Simon she overheard? We don't know. But we do know that this woman began weeping and she wept quite a bit, even to the point that her tears began to fall on the feet of Jesus. And, is, and as if her being there wasn't enough to stress Simon out. Verse 38 tells us that she began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair, and kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This, this is too much for Simon. He's, he's a Pharisee. He's one of the righteous ones of Israel. He's a keeper of the law to the very minutia. His, he's literally consumed every moment of every day, fulfilling the do's of the law, and trying to keep from breaking the don'ts of the law. 613 laws of the Torah, and then all of the explanations and interpretations of those laws. And that's what the Pharisees were consumed by, keeping of that law, I don't want to break. I don't want. I, I have to make sure to do the things because you see, Simon was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Would you say that with me? He was a Pharisee. Now tell somebody next to you. He was a Pharisee. He looked right. He looked good. He looked proper. He looked righteous on the outside. Now this woman who's a sinner, she comes into this Pharisee's house, begins to anoint the feet of his guests, and he is so appalled. So Simon spoke to himself. He thought to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I love it where he says, if he were a prophet. Simon, Simon had no idea. Jesus answered him. He said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, well, teacher, say it. Simon had no idea where this conversation is going to go. And at this point in time in the evening, he feels he's pretty much in charge of things. He's in his house. He's the religious one. He's the ruler. He's the Pharisee. And he knows who this woman is. And now he's figured out who Jesus isn't, if this man were a prophet. So he's already canceled out the possibility that Jesus is even a prophet. And if Jesus isn't a prophet, then he's certainly not the Messiah. So Simon's already got this all figured out in his head. She's a sinner, and he is nobody. Jesus answered and he said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Let's change this up a little bit, bring it into our understanding. A lot of commentators say that a denarii was about the uh, day's wage of a common laborer of the time. Let's round this up uh, and just say, say a hundred dollars, say a denarii is worth a hundred dollars. I know that might be more than a common laborer gets, but just for the sake of argument, say it's a hundred dollars for us today. So if one denarii is a hundred dollars, then one man owed fifty thousand dollars and the other man owed five thousand dollars. You can trust me. I used a calculator to make sure I was right. We see this vast difference. One man with the 50,000, the other with five. So not only were both amounts really a pretty good sum to pay, but one of them was ten times what the other one was. But Jesus says they had nothing with which to repay it. Nothing. But this particular debtor was an amazing guy. He freely forgave both of them all that they owed. Amazing. Everything that they owed. He wiped the slate clean. But that's not the point of the story at this time, because Jesus asked Simon a very simple question. And by now, if you've been studying the Word of God for very long, if you've studied in the, in the Gospels for very long, you know that when Jesus asks a simple question, somebody's getting set up. okay? Because yeah, you're going to answer it in your own logic, and he's going to give you the real and true answer. Tell me, Simon. Which of them will love that creditor more? Simon, he's a pretty sharp guy. He's got it all figured out. I can't even help but but wonder how much sarcasm there is in Simon's response to Jesus, because by now Jesus is nothing. Simon answered and says, Well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more, duh. Okay, I added the duh, but it's it's the attitude that I think that Simon has here. And Jesus said to him, oh, you're a pretty sharp guy, Simon. Okay, that's my version too, but <laughs> Jesus says, you have rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman. He turned to the woman, but he's still talking to Simon. He says, you see this woman? Yeah, this woman who's a sinner. Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, and she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. The custom of that day would have been as if you had a guest come in. One of your servants would have met them at the door with a bowl of water to remove their sandals and to wash their feet. One of your servants, because you've invited this individual into your home, one of your servants would go and wash the individual's feet. But you know what? Simon didn't make one of his servants go wash Jesus' feet. As a matter of fact, Simon didn't even give Jesus water to wash his own feet. But this woman washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Simon, you totally missed even the most basic common courtesy here. Strike one. Verse 45 says that Simon, or Jesus is still talking to Simon, says, You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time that I came in. And again, the custom of the day would be for the host to welcome his guest with a kiss. If you remember, it was Simon who invited Jesus into his house. Jesus was the invited guest. Jesus didn't say, Simon, I want to come to your house for dinner. No, Simon says, Jesus, why don't you come to my house? And Simon treated him as a nobody, really, from the very beginning. Strike two, Simon. Open
0: our hearts, from within by the open word. We hope that today's edition of the open word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word.
1: Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow.
0: Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.